I'm Jake Miller from the Educational Duct Tape Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect those of others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Kindergarten Chaos, the Developmentally Appropriate Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Kindergarten Kiosk. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kathy. And today we're going to talk about handwriting development and how you can help your students develop good handwriting skills in your classroom. Yes, handwriting is just like everything else. It develops at its own um, stages. Children come into your classroom in a giant varying degree of handwriting. When I think about handwriting, I think about Austin. Austin was a student that I had probably a decade ago, and he came in and his handwriting absolutely looked like he could sell his handwriting as a font. <laughs> it, would, it was it's the called most, the Austin font. It's the Austin font, <laughs> and it was the most beautiful handwriting I've ever seen. And he had everything perfect. His spacing was perfect. His capitalization and lowercase was perfect. And then I saw him draw, and he could draw like a professional clip artist. <laughs> and it was just amazing. I was I was just flabbergasted with Austin. But then I found out that he had been babysat since birth by his grandmother, who was an artist. <laughs> and so every day while she sat and painted, Austin sat to the side of her and learned the tools of the pencil. <laughs> and then, so we have Austins coming into our classroom. And then I think about Alex. And Alex came into the classroom from a very deprived circumstance. In fact, both of his parents were in prison. And he had kind of been bounced around from foster care to relative with his parents on and off. And he, when he had saw the box of crayons, he had no idea what they were. He picked them up and started playing with them and breaking them. and. I showed him, I said, no, you write with these. And he picked them up like five together in a bundle with his hands, with his fist pointing up, and just started both hands um, scribbling in circles with the look of glee on his face. (laughs) He was so excited that he had never, ever experienced a writing tool. Mm -hmm. And so those are the kind of kids we have come in our classroom. We all have... Austin will probably not as <laughs> advanced as Austin, but we all have the Austins, and unfortunately, we all have the Alexes coming in our room. So we have to remember that um, handwriting, and we're not talking creative writing here today. We're talking just the specifically, skill of holding the pencil and forming the yes, letters, and we're talking penmanship, which is. Um, orthography. Mm-hmm. It's writing of the human language. And so we, we need to treat those kids just like we do every other skill that we're teaching. We can't expect kids from day one to print perfect onlines. And so we're going to kind of talk about what we can do to differentiate um, the teaching of handwriting with our students. 
just a thought. Would you put in uh, like scissor skills with this kind of development too? Because I'm just thinking about like I have the same kind of range with kids who come in with scissors because some come in and they grab the scissors and they start cutting and they make these beautiful things. And then I've had a couple students who cry whenever it's a scissor activity. They cry. I had one hide under the table every time it was a cutting with scissors activity. And one of them, I told mom can, like that I was having a hard time getting the child to cut. And she said, well, we've never allowed them to use the scissors at home because we didn't want them to get hurt or cut up things they weren't supposed to. So this is the first time he's ever seen or touched or held a pair of scissors in his life. I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> I think the use of the pencil, the crayon, anything, any of the writing tools and scissors and glue all fit in the same category. Because they're all hand in hand, they're all fine motor um, development of the muscles of the hands. So yes, I think while we're talking about handwriting, we can address scissors and glue because to me that's the same thing. Well, it's all kind it's using of this... the tool in the pencil box. Yes. All right. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the prerequisite skills our kids have to have in order to use these tools. Well. When I think about when a kid has a hard time, I always equate it to something in my own life because if I can think of something that I've worked with or struggled with and when I'm working with a student, when I'm working with an Alex, I always can come at it at a more empathetic way. And so when Alex was there with his glee of handful of fistful of crayons, you know, I, I really did think about skills that I've worked hard on. And uh, I had a goal once to swim a mile. And so, but it took me step by step, day by day. And I couldn't just go jump in the pool and swim a mile. I had to work at it. I had to swim a half a lap. And then the next day, maybe I could do a lap and a half and, and worked up to doing those 18 laps of the pool that was a mile. And so we have to really think about it that these kids, we sometimes expect our, our students when they come in to already do the skill that we need to be, to teach them in a very empathetic way. So when we really think about it, we think about, uh, we need to think about kinesiology and what really is inside this human hand. So. Hold up your hand and look at it and think about all of the bones and the muscles and they're in it. Like flex your hands. Look at all the joints and the movement of the hands. Well, every one of those, thanks for the little hand I know. show you're doing. It's too bad we don't have a video of this because I'm doing an awesome hand dance right now. Everybody's missing out on. I know, it's awesome. <laughs> so inside the human hands, I'm not sure how many bones and joints are in there, but I do know that there are 32 muscles in just one human hand. 32 and or 34? Every... Oh. I do know that there's 34. <laughs> I do know that there's 34 muscles inside the human hand. And so when you're flexing your hand and moving it, 34 muscles are working together. That's fascinating to me. That's just fascinating. And so all 34 of those muscles need to be strengthened. So if you pinch your fingers together, 
Those are complete different muscles than if you pinch all your fingers together or if you do a puppet show <laughs> or twist your hand. And for people, for kids to be great handwriters, they need all 34 of those muscles strengthened. Plus, they need their muscles to be dexterous. Mm-hmm. My oldest, as you know, was in occupational therapy just for developing the muscles in his hands because of his difficulty with handwriting. And one of the things we did just as a family was put him in piano lessons. So as we're talking about the muscles of the hands, I'm thinking about his piano lessons because before she ever started him on the piano, she had him do uh, exercises. She had him do an exercise where he took his thumb and his thumb touched his pointer and then the tall man and then the ring man and then the pinky independently. And she had him do all these exercises of just moving his fingers independently because she you know, because we told her he needed fine motor development, and that was the primary reason he was in piano lessons. But, yeah. And I think as uh, teachers, I think that's something that you can suggest to your parents is piano lessons. I suggest piano lessons to solve a lot of problems (laughs) for students because piano lessons for kindergartners I think is awesome if you find the right piano teacher. And for your own kids, I think if you have your own children that their hand muscles are developing, we can't say enough about piano lessons, can we? (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's talk about some other things that you can do um, to develop their muscles in their hands other than, you know, finger exercises and piano lessons, (laughs) which not, you know. And piano lessons, (laughs) which teachers really can't control. We can't control that. Let's talk about some things we can control. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So we have those 34 muscles, and it's just like wanting to swim a mile. So you have to think um, there's a lot of, of work you have to do if you need to strengthen all 34 muscles. One thing that I really like to do is just fill spray bottles with water. And I first got this idea when I was a parent, and it was snowy outside, and the kids were driving me crazy mm-hmm. inside. And so These I got a kids, bunch of old this spray kid, bottles. This kid right here? Yeah, me? you, you, and brother. <laughs> and, and so I got some spray bottles, and I just filled them full of colored water and sent them into the snow to just play with colored water, spray bottles, and snow. And it's just amazing what that does for your hand. I mean, that squeezing motion of spray bottles. Mm-hmm. It really is developing many of those muscles at a time. And so I kind of carried that into the classroom, and I've just always made sure I've got spray bottles full of water that I let them take out and just um, spray on the sidewalk. Or um, if I put colored watercolors in them, spray them on paper and make great artwork. That sounds pretty. Yeah, I love that one spray on a coffee filters you can buy really pretty small um spray bottles like tiny ones Mm -hmm. and if you fill those with colored watercolors and spray them on um, coffee filters you can make butterflies planets you can make flowers they make really gorgeous well and there's two different kinds of spray bottles too because you have the kinds that you squeeze and then there's Mm -hmm. the kind that you pump with your finger so Mm -hmm. that's two different kinds of muscles you could do the same activity yeah. twice with a different spray bottle and get a different... Get even a whole yeah. different development. Mm-hmm. 
Another thing I like to do, and I have a product for this because I made it because I like it so much, is um, take a piece of cardboard and print a anything, any design. Mine is alphabet letters, and get thumbtacks. Now you can get thumbtacks in a million different sizes. I didn't know that. And so my kids that were like Alex, I'd get large thumbtacks, and my kids that had more development, I would get the tiny ones. And this one, they're holding the thumbtack actually with the three fingers just by by nature because you can't pick a thumbtack up with all your fingers mm -hmm. and so really it forces you into the three fingers and they just take the thumbtack and punch the holes mm -hmm. in the in the design or the alphabet letter and I just love that one because kids love doing it and it really is working on those three main muscles of the tripod fingers. Another thing that you can do is have the kids use tweezers because tweezers will strengthen those fingers so you can get your sensory center and put something in the sensory center and then give them a variety of sizes of tweezers and have them pick things up with the tweezers and move them around or do activities where they string beads onto a string or pasta or fruit loops. Um, taking glue and gluing little tiny beans onto a picture. You could in integrate that with alphabet letters too, huh? Make make your alphabet letters out of beans because then they have to pick up the little bean and stick it down with their pincer grasp. You know, beans on as a gluing beans around an outline of something mm -hmm. was such a staple in the 80s <laughs> and the 90s. It's true. Everybody glued it's, beans it's around true. pictures. I remember gluing beans around pictures as a child. <laughs> <laughs> it was a thing. So the name of that product is Alphabet Center Dab Dot and Push Pin Letters because it has both. It has the, the dotting, the holding the bingo marker and dotting along a letter mm -hmm. and the pin push. So it has two different types of fine motor development. And I really like that one. It's one that I use every year. Mm -hmm. I just really like it. Another thing is just picking up things. Like if you have a bunch of small objects, uh, Lakeshore sells those little tubs full of small objects mm -hmm. that are just tiny toys. Mm -hmm. And I love to just put a bunch of tiny toys at a table. Like one um, at the beginning of the day, I like to begin the day with table task mm -hmm. cards as the kids come in. And one of my things is just a bucket of tiny toys. Mm -hmm. Because then they have to pick up those tiny toys and <laughs> manipulate them and play with them. And that really forces a lot of muscle development. I put Alex at the tiny toy table a lot. Because <laughs> he loved them. And he needed it. Um, and then scissors, you develop their pencil. As they're developing their scissor grasp, they're developing those muscles at the same time, right? So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, teaching pencil grasp and scissor use and glue use all yeah, kind of happen kind of work at the, same, at the time. same time. The little boys in my class who had a hard time using scissors, that they were just so overwhelmed by cutting paper. Uh, our school OT suggested that I have them cut like a like a rolled out tube of play doh instead of paper, because that would have been easier for them, or straws take scissors and just cut the straw into pieces he said that would help them develop 
the scissor the scissor grass that they needed so they could get to paper. Another thing is junk mail. I mean, we all have a lot of junk mail, right? <laughs> Too much. And keep sending junk mail because it keeps our my son employed. <laughs> <laughs> the post office needs our junk mail. So just bring a box of junk mail, like the Red Plum. I do know now the name of that mailer. Everybody probably around the nation gets on Tuesdays, like that wad of ads. Mm-hmm. It's called the Red Plum. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Things you learn. Yeah, and it's a great thing. I'd like to just fill a box full of that. And that's another thing that is a great, uh, it would even make its own like art center activity. But it's another thing that kids love to do. Even the kids with good dexterity love just cutting. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if we take cutting away from the project, then kids are... Less stressed Because they don't have to actually make anything. They just can yeah, they're up to, destroy there's no things. There's product at the end. They're just trying to experiment mm-hmm. and figure it out and figure out how you hold it. And um, I love the spring scissors. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll put it on the podcast page, a uh, uh, link to those spring scissors. They are just kind of the answer to those poor little kids that are terrified of scissors. And we have another product. It's called Cutting, Gluing, and Drying Fine Motor Practice. And I love it. It's for cutting and gluing practice. And it's a real popular one with my students. I, I always and start the year with that one. I, I love I, it. I use and that And anytime like I'm doing it, so if much the first a couple teacher weeks. sees it and has never seen that product before, they come and say, where can I get that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a useful one. Yeah, it really is. And it kind of brings me to the glue bottle. Mm-hmm. I know that... You're going to um, talk glues, about the glue bottle again. I'm going to talk about the talk glue about bottle. the glue bottle again. I think there's a place on the planet for glue sponges, and I think there's a place on the planet for glue sticks. But there's nothing like the glue bottle that will teach kids to open the Twist. lid, shut the Twist. lid, Squeeze the bottle, control the amount of glue coming out of the bottle. There there are 200 fine motor lessons that you can get by just teaching kids how to use a glue bottle. And kids will control the glue bottle. Everybody's like, it's so messy. Well, it's not. I mean, go back to this product, you know, the cutting and drying that we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. And... Use the poem just a dot, not a lot, and kids get it. And then if the dots get big, it's an accident because yeah. they really are learning to control the glue bottle. And if it makes a few messes, I mean, I've never had that awful of a mess of you. Oh, yeah, I have. I know <laughs> when the kid opened the white part and stood the little orange part, they did the white uh, part, and then and they, then they turned it, it over and, and squoze the whole, the whole thing. <laughs> But you know, it just goes on the paper and it cleans up. And that's why I you just you have a dedicated art table too. <laughs> I have a dedicated art table, and at the end of the day, I get the little neat knit girls. I hand them cleaners, and they make it spotless at the end of every school day. But it's worth it. Yeah. A couple messes is worth it for all the fine motor development you get, right? Don't you think? I it think it really is. It's worth it's, every it's bit. It's a it's a decent trade off. I'll take it. 
Another thing is paintbrushes. You know, paintbrushes um, can be used for a lot of great things to develop fine motor. And, you know, eventually we're going to want paintbrushes to make those beautiful art projects that we are going to be making. But at the beginning of the year, it's kind of great just to have paintbrushes and water out in a bucket on the sidewalk and let the kids take the paintbrush and actually just use their hands to experiment with the paintbrush of all varying sizes. Can you think of a you way... You can buy those really short, stubby ones. I like those for this project. Can you think of a way to do that same, just experiment with paintbrushes and water inside if you don't really, if you aren't really able to take the kids outside to do it? Oh, sure. I'm, I'm not as opposed to messes, like, so I would just we, get a piece of butcher paper and put it on my art you table. You could put tape it down little papers table. inside like a cookie sheet too, don't you think? And then the water would mm -hmm. be kind of contained or a... Yeah, you could do that. Or a big uh, pan or something, right? Mm-hmm. Get mm -hmm. kind of the same... Well, because, yeah, because the water pretty much dries as quick as right. they're painting with it. Because So there's not masses amount of water. Like if you just had a butcher paper at the table... When that, and if you're doing center rotations like I like to do, by the time that group leaves the table and the next group comes, it's pretty much going to be dry. Right. So I think there's, but I like your paper in the cookie sheet idea. Um, you could use paintbrushes and water paint on paper towels. Mm -hmm. And that would absorb That would keep a lot. most of the water from getting everywhere. Because yeah. there are those kids who just go for it, you know. You always have <laughs> the one who's like, how much water can I use? Let me dump out the whole yeah. bowl because I would love to see what happens. Yeah, I think that my first time, if at all, um, you know, I try to do this outside to mm -hmm. have the kids have their first experience outside with the big movement. And then when we went inside, then I'd challenge them, you know, how... You know, can you keep the water in this table? <laughs> can you keep the water in this tray? Because they've had that experience. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't probably do my first experience with it in the little. Because kids they are... Wanna they want to make it big. In. Well, it's yeah. good to make it big because then they get their shoulder and their arm in it too. Yeah. Play-Doh is another thing that is so important. And man, do you are you like me? Do you have parents that come and say, oh, my kids are not allowed mm -hmm. to play with Play-Doh at mm -hmm. home? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, there's five years worth of squishing Play-Doh down the drain. Well, I know so, why. I know why well, they don't of want... we know why. We're I have parents. a hard time getting out the Play-Doh <laughs> sometimes, too. I used to only it's get messy. the Play-Doh out in the backyard. <laughs> we'd set up a little picnic table and we'd go play with Play-Doh in the backyard. Cause... <clears throat> yeah, because it's messy. And so we get it. We get why parents aren't doing it. But man, it's good for those hand skills. It's so good. But at school, it's our job to get the Play-Doh out and let. Well, the kids there's do been it. so many times when a parent will come in, and I've had like the Play-Doh out or the paint out, and there's a huge mess at the art table, and the parent will say something about like, "Wow, you guys made a mess today," or something, and I'll be like, "Yep." That's my job, so you don't have to have the mess at your house. <laughs> <laughs> I had a vinyl stencil on my door, my classroom door, that said, we made a mess, it was a great day. 
Yeah, that's kind of my philosophy, and I'm a neat nick. My oh, classroom yeah. is clean and neat. You but I don't any, don't let anyone get the mess. impression that your classroom has ever been anything but spotless to perfection. Because, but it's very messy during the day. Very <laughs> it's just very messy. Very clean. But the kids love to clean up. Kids love cleanup time. They really in do. your and classroom. They. I mean, you, know, <laughs> you have a couple Benjis that. <laughs> hide out <laughs> oh don't listen to this podcast benji we just called you out <laughs> i know but that's benji is a verb because <laughs> he hides his name has become a verb now yeah his name's a ver- verb benji hides out and when the work's done oh there's benji <laughs> <laughs> and you all have students like that but i know who they are and so i've tried to direct them to the cleanup part that they like mm-hmm. like the little boys that hide, maybe they'll be like the ones that like to clean the block center. But anyway, another thing is tearing paper. And you can make really cool art projects with tearing paper. But at the beginning, tear it, glue it anywhere on a paper. Just tear, 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 tear paper. Well, let's... Another thing is playing with coins. I put in my sensory table one year coins mm-hmm. and uh it was so fun the, i'm sure pocket full of the coins went home <laughs> <laughs> but we had a fundraiser where kids brought coins to school and then we turned it into the office and i can't remember what the fundraiser was for so instead of you know turning the jar in at the end of the day i put it in the sensory table for the kids to play mm-hmm. with and they i they like doubled the amount of coins kids were bringing to school for that. Mm, I bet it did. Because, oh my gosh, they loved it because it went in the sensory table. Then they got to play with it, and uh, that one was a really fun one that I've only done once, but I sure would do again. So we've talked a little about developing the fine muscles, but the gross motor muscles, the arm muscles, the shoulder muscles—like hold a pencil right now, or just put your finger in the air like you're writing. Can you feel all of the muscles in your arm moving? And, oh, another puppet show. Yeah, they're missing out. I'm doing it again. (laughs) And your shoulder. I mean, just feel all those muscles working when you're writing. And so we need to also pay attention to the gross motor muscles. And so there's some things we can do to develop those. So (laughs) I feel so put on the spot now. (laughs) So we can develop gross motor muscles by having the kids jump rope or crawl on the ground, do like army crawls or crab walk crawls or uh, pulling up on bars, climbing on any any ropes outside. Wall push-ups wall are push-ups. fun. My students love doing wall push-ups. I can't remember what I said. And, and so just make sure that you're de- do, providing a lot of opportunities for that. Now, if you've got recess and good quality recesses with good quality equipment at your school, you're doing about everything you need to do to develop those large muscles. Well, that's why recess is so important not to miss, too, because we got to get the gross motor development, too. Yeah. That's why I'm so anti-holding kids in from recess. When I've watched people hold kids in from recess, I just... It, it makes my heart sad because it's the kids that need, need the, to be out need there recess. developing those muscles no, you or know. need to learn socialization right. skills. They're or, missing out yeah. on all the things they need. So our plug for have them miss something else, not recess. So as you're developing the muscles in your kids' hands, then you need to start working with grasps 
And there's a lot of different graphs that kids naturally use along the development. And so we're going to kind of um, jump fast forward to the tripod grasp and um, talk about how some things that you can do to um, have your students use the tripod grasp. And probably our favorite is handwriting without tears and using small pieces of chalk. And we just can't say enough for that program. We love it. And it will pretty much solve all of your pencil grasp problems. But if you don't have it, um, you can do the same things as cut up little pieces of chalk and little pieces of crayons, uh, golf pencils. I love golf pencils. Mm -hmm. And little things, it forces kids to hold their um, pencils correctly. So mm -hmm. as we're developing, and like we said, all of this is kind of taught in tandem and going along um, together. So as we're teaching kids um, fine motor skills, we're teaching them hold a pencil correctly. So I wanted to talk really briefly about dominant hand. And um, you've got a lefty. I got a lefty. <laughs> and I think that his grandfather should be a lefty <laughs> because uh, my husband, he does, he uses his left hand for about everything, but he writes with his right hand. But if you hand him something, he holds out his left hand. If he's drinking something, he uses his left hand. If he, and so it's really interesting to watch. And so I asked him about it one day, now that we have a lefty grandson, <laughs> and I asked him about it one day and he said, oh, I remember they always just made me write with my right hand. And every time I put a pencil in my left hand, they took it out and put it in my right hand. And I think that really happened a lot back when he was a child, for sure. Yeah. And so as teachers, we need to really be cautious and careful and know that it's developmental. If our kindergartners or our preschoolers are switching hands daily, it doesn't matter. If the pencil grip is what we want to work with, the pinching with the three fingers of like small pieces of chalk, whatever finger they're choosing that day, let them choose it. Because as we're developing the hand muscles and we're learning to write, kids will naturally select which hand is the best hand for them to use. I just want to talk a little bit about research mm -hmm. and the importance of teaching kids how to form letters. Research has found that kids who are not forming letters correctly are the kids that become fatigued as older writers and it takes them twice as long to complete a project and they have really equated the formation, misformation of letters to um, children struggling in any type of writing in in ensuing grades. So first off, we need to think about how important it is to teach correct letter formation. So what is correct letter formation? What is correct and what is incorrect? <laughs> well, the correct letter formation is... Um, is it top to bottom, pretty much, right? It's, yeah. When you want to write a letter, start at the top. When you want to write a letter, start at the top. If you ever, ever, ever want to write a little letter, if you want to write a letter, start at the top, except for E. <laughs> <laughs> I always put that in there because there are a couple exceptions. But um, teaching the kids to move to the top is a tough deal, mm -hmm. right? Kids always want to start at the bottom. And so I do a lot of early 
uh, activities of just writing lines of move to the top, straight down. And these are just gross motor. These are the carpet with our hands mm -hmm. up to the top and down. And then when we move to handwriting and write an A, it start at the top. And then I've got a song for every letter, and I'm sure that there's songs for every letter everywhere. Right. And everybody probably has their own handwriting programs, but all of the handwriting programs are basically teaching the letter that being written the same right. way. There's some variants, but not a lot. Yeah, like Danilian has a weird B. Yeah. But, I, I mean, the but, constant between different programs is they always start at the top. Yeah. And I think the most important part about when you're teaching letters is it's developmental. Mm -hmm. And it takes practice, practice, practice. Let's say everyone has conquered the capital A. Well, I would guess that if you really check that capital A two weeks later, half of your kids <laughs> would be writing that capital A. Right. So handwriting is a full year program mm -hmm. in kindergarten and getting kids to form the letters correctly. Now, I have my own opinion about lined paper. <laughs> I don't think it belongs in it? the kindergarten room. <laughs> Do I use it? Yes, for, um, you know, like Wonders has their stuff on lines. So yes, I have to use it, but I just really think that if we're focusing on the lines, mm -hmm. we're kind of missing the point of handwriting. So moving into lined paper, I think is important, like in the second semester, but the beginning of the year, writing letters just on plain paper or in boxes, I think is so much more important. All right, Mom, well, thanks for giving us some tips on how to teach handwriting. If you will, uh, we'll link to a couple of those products we mentioned. Um, and if you want to learn more about us, you can visit us at kindergartenkiosk.com or you can write to us at kindergartenkiosk at gmail.com. And if you need some help with assessing your students this year, then we suggest you look up ESGI, right, Mom? Yes, ESGISoftware.com. And sign up for your free 60-day trial using code KIOSK, K-I-O-S-K. And you will thank us later because <laughs> it is amazing. It will save you hours and hours. And we're always happy to help you um, get going on ESGI. That's true. So happy handwriting. Happy everyone. handwriting. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Goodbye. Kindergarten Kiosk is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, a network of podcasts for educators by educators. For more information, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. That's E-D-U podcastnetwork.com. Now can I listen to it?